Are you tired of living with the pain of the past? Today on Daily in the Word, Dr. Paul Chapel challenges us to go beyond what we ever dreamed was possible. I'm just simply saying that when I stand up here before you Sunday after Sunday, I don't stand up here wondering whether or not I've got all of it. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And I believe I'm preaching from the very word of God with every word of God because, friend, he promised. And when God says, I'm going to give you something that endures forever, you can trust him on that. We all have things that try to hold us back. Guilt from past mistakes or temptations that we can't seem to overcome. It's easy to learn to live with these problems and accept them as who we are. But God has called us to reach forth and fulfill a greater calling in life. Welcome to Daily in the Word. This program features the teaching and preaching of Dr. Paul Chapel, pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church and president of West Coast Baptist College in Lancaster, California. In our series, Reaching Forth, Dr. Chapel encourages you to leave behind negative mindsets and the limitations others have put on you and to reach forth to new levels of victory. And now, here's Dr. Paul Chapel with part one of a message called Reaching Forth in Patience. Isaiah was a prophet of Judah, as we learned this past Wednesday night in our series on the major and minor prophets. He prophesied during the reign of Hezekiah, amongst others, around 687 B.C. During the first 39 chapters of Isaiah, God is calling through Isaiah for the judgment of Judah, for the judgment of Israel because of their turning away from him. They made alliances with ungodly nations in the surrounding areas. They even worshiped the gods of those particular nations. But chapter 40 is a turning in the book of Isaiah. In chapter 40, we see that Isaiah turns from pronouncing judgment to pronouncing mercy. Now, how many of you are thankful that we serve a God who's not only a God of righteous judgment, but also a God of love and mercy? And that's what we see happening when we come to Isaiah chapter 40. God is now introducing his comfort to Israel. He is assuring them that he is patient with them. Despite their shortcomings, despite their sin, he still calls them his children. And I want you to know that because of the nature of God, we can reach forth with patience knowing that he will bring victory to those who turn to him. Now, I say this to you first of all because we see in the passage today that God's comfort is a relentless comfort. His comfort is relentless. The Bible says in verse 40, comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Here we see the declaration of God through Isaiah. It is very emphatic. It is God speaking to them, not as a judge, but as a comforter. Now, there are times when God chastises. There are times when God judges, but in this verse, it is more in the context of a mother comforting her child. I don't know about you, when I was a young man and something happened to me, maybe I scraped my knees up, uh, fallen off of my bike, or maybe somebody hit me at school or something of that nature. If I wanted sympathy, I never came and asked my dad. My dad would always say something like, ah, 
Get on, boy. That's hard even a scratch. Get on out of here. You know, you needed 19 stitches and three broken bones. Get on out of here, boy. You'll be fine. That was kind of how a dad's response was. But a mother was much more comforting, right? And so God uses the word here, comfort. Comfort ye. Comfort ye, my people. He's not speaking to them as a judge. Rather, he's encouraging them. In fact, notice in the last part of verse 40, he says, saith your God. He says, I'm still your God. I'm still personally interested in you. Despite the king after king after king that was living wickedly and set up groves or uh, high places of demonic worship, despite all of the wickedness, he said, I want you to come back to me. I want to comfort you. Deuteronomy in verse 30 and verse 3 says that then the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity and have compassion upon thee and will return and gather thee from all the nations whither the Lord thy God hath scattered thee. Here's a declaration of God. I love you. I want you to know my comfort. But notice also the delivery of the prophet. He is telling the prophet Isaiah to deliver this message. And in verse 2, the Bible says, Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. And so God is directing his prophet to console the people, to speak to them comfortably, to let them know of his love and encouragement for them. And we see not only the manner with which he is to speak, but we see the message of prophecy. There is a prophecy, I think you could say a double prophecy in verse number two. It tells us here that their warfare is accomplished, speaking of the immediate past tense uh, of the nation of Israel. They were coming out of a time of war. But also, I believe verse 2 speaks of a coming time in world history. That is the time when Jesus comes again, and when the battle of Armageddon ceases, and when the kingdom of God is established eternally. And we read about that in Isaiah. Isaiah 9 and verse 6. You remember this, don't you? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of the government of peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. And so even as God was gathering Judah back unto himself here in the 6th and 7th century BC, one day he will gather Israel back unto himself, and he will say that he has now arrived as the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and the iniquity of his children will be pardoned, the iniquity of their sin, that long series of rebellion is now being pardoned and comfort is being offered. But there will come a day when Jesus gathers his children unto himself and he will offer comfort to the nation of Israel once again. And by the way, this is the nature of God. For this is not something merely offered to the Jew, but it is something offered to all who will believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Colossians 2 and verse 13, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out 
on the, uh, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. So even as God said to, to Israel, I want you to know my comfort. I want you to know my restoration. I'm your God. God came to us who were sinners, and he says, even though you're in your sin, I've taken your sin, and I've nailed it to the cross of my son so that you can have a relationship with me, so that you can find comfort in me. And so I say again, the same God that will judge sinners and the same God that will see that they will have eternal punishment if they did not receive Christ as Savior is the one to whom all who believe on Jesus Christ, he says, you are forgiven and I offer you comfort and a home in heaven. The righteousness of God is clear in the Bible, but the grace of God is also clear in the Bible and his comfort is relentless. And even this message today for someone who would turn to Christ is God's message of comfort to you saying there's still time for you to be saved and to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And so thank God for the comfort that he provided to Israel and to us. But I want you to see not only is his comfort relentless, but secondly, his word is reliable. Another reason that we can run and reach forth with patience is because we're trusting in his word. Now notice what the Bible says concerning the word itself in verse 3. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness... Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. Verse number seven, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Now, we notice, first of all, the prophecy of the word. There is a prophecy from Isaiah given here. In verse number three, he says, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Isaiah then is prophesying about another prophet or forerunner. Isaiah is telling us about one that will say, prepare ye the way of the Lord. In verse 3 then, we see a reference to whom I believe is John the Baptist. John the Baptist would come, and he would come several hundred years later, and the Bible speaks of him in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. So notice in your notes, Matthew chapter 3 and verse 1, in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord make his paths straight. Notice in Luke chapter 3 and verse 4, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And so we see Isaiah prophesying, there's one that's going to come and he's going to tell you to prepare the way for the next one that's going to come. Isaiah is prophesying here, not only about Jesus, but also about John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. And John the Baptist was saying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Now, what did a forerunner do? 
A forerunner was someone who constructed the highway for the coming king. He would make the high places low and the low places high. And so Isaiah is telling us, according to the prophecy of the word, that there is coming a forerunner. And we see the fulfillment of that in Matthew and Luke. And one of the reasons I believe the Bible to be the infallible word of God is because so many times it prophesies and then fulfills its own prophecy. And we see this forerunner. Now, the forerunner that would come, as we have seen, the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. The forerunner, according to the Bible, is John the Baptist. Are you with me on that this morning? John the Baptist, prepare you the way of the Lord. But what was the message of John the Baptist? Or we could say, what, what is the message of Isaiah? What are they driving at? Notice, if you would, in verse 5, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. Let's read that together. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. So Isaiah is saying, I want you to find comfort in this. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And I want you to know that John the Baptist is going to be warning you that this will happen, that the glory of the Lord is coming. And so the glory of the Lord will be revealed. By the way, from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation, it's all about the glory of the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the prophecy of Isaiah. For unto us a child is born, Isaiah 7, 14. A virgin shall conceive. This is the prophecy of Isaiah. This is the prophecy of John the Baptist. Behold, the Lamb of God. And so we see that throughout the scriptures, there is a Christological lineage pointing us to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see it in your notes. 1 Timothy 3 and 16, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Would you say that with me, please? God was manifest in the flesh. Who is Jesus? He is God in the flesh. He is the glory of the Lord revealed. John 1, 14, and the Word became flesh. That is the eternal Word, Jesus Christ. He became flesh. He was born uh, in Bethlehem's manger. He was conceived of the Holy Ghost in the womb of Mary. And behold, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father. And someone that listened in Sunday school would say, I knew that. Isaiah said that 700 years ago. And John the Baptist has been preaching that month after month that the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And the glory of the Lord is not some new rock band or some new magician or some Johnny-come-lately prophet. The glory of the Lord is the Lord Jesus Christ himself coming down and being manifest on this world. And he wants to come into your heart and mine today. Oh, what a wonderful prophecy that Jesus Christ has come. Notice there in verse 5, the second portion says, all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. I believe that phrase refers to another time. Oh, we see the time of Isaiah, and he tells us a virgin shall conceive. And we see the time of John the Baptist, behold the Lamb of God. But then there's going to be another time when every eye will see the Lord Jesus Christ. And someone says, well, 
You know, I, don't, I just don't understand how that can happen. You know, years ago, I had trouble understanding it too, but I don't have any trouble understanding it now. Phones, folks, they're going to see it on their watches and on their iPhones. They're going to see it on the television. There's coming a day. You see that, don't you, in verse 5. It's very clear. It says, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. I believe that's telling us about a day coming. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 28. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Revelation 1 and verse 7. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Listen, there's coming a day when every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And Isaiah 700 years before Christ is saying, hey, uh, there's going to be a forerunner come. His name is John the Baptist, and he's going to tell you what I'm trying to tell you, that the glory of God will be revealed in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, and yes, he'll come to his own, and his own will receive him not, but he's coming again, and every eye will see the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, from cover to cover, we read in the Bible about this prophecy concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. We see the prophecy of the Word. It's all about Jesus, but I want you to notice, secondly, the preservation of the Word. The preservation of the word. Someone says, well, yeah, that's what your Bible says, but you know, there's a lot of versions. No, there's a lot of perversions. Let me tell you something, friend. God's word is reliable. And I want you to think about it with me. Notice what it says in verse number seven. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Now, do you understand today that man is temporal? The good and the bad of man, even good things, beautiful buildings, they fall down, uh, new cars, they get into accidents, they, they break down. I'm just telling you that everything about man is temporal. Man's best-selling books today are sitting on the dust a shelf collecting dust tomorrow. The Bible says we're kind of like uh, the grass that withereth or the flower that fadeth. And yet in the midst of all these other books and in the midst of all these man-made inventions, the Bible says of itself in 2 Peter 2 and 19, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Uh, all of these other prophecies are unsure and unsettled and they're written by strange men and time does not permit us to to name all of the names. I'm thinking at this present moment uh, of the heretical teachings of Joseph Smith and he and Brigham Young with his 87 wives and how uh, they came together and Joseph Smith wrote, a, apparently an angel came to him while he was digging graves and gave him the Book of Mormon. And what I want to tell you something today is that all of these are going to pass away and that they are fallacies and they are fairy tales, but there is one more sure word of prophecy, and it is the Word of God. 
man is temporal, man's books are temporal, man's thoughts are temporal, but the word of our God will remain forever. First Peter 1 and 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever, for all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass, the grass withereth, the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. And around here at Lancaster Baptist Church, we just settled on the fact that we believe the King James Version of the Bible is God's preserved word. Others have been tampered with by Catholic theologians. We didn't want to have part in that. Some others questioned the virgin birth of Christ and call Mary a young woman instead of a virgin. Others questioned the blood atonement of Jesus Christ. I'm just simply saying that when I stand up here before you Sunday after Sunday, I don't stand up here wondering whether or not I've got all of it. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And I believe I'm preaching from the very word of God with every word of God because, friend, he promised. And when God says, I'm going to give you something that endures forever, you can trust him on that. His word is reliable. The words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, not one jot or tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. You say, how can I reach forth and having patience in my soul? You can do that knowing that God's word is a reliable guide for your life. His comfort is relentless from generation to generation. His word is reliable from Genesis to Isaiah to the Gospels to the book of the Revelation. It's all about Jesus Christ and you can trust it. But I want to say finally this morning, his strength is renewable. His strength is renewable. Now, the Bible tells us here in chapter 40 and verse 28, hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. Now, I know a lot of Christians today, they're looking for a way out. And if you're looking for a way out of faithfulness, if you're looking for a way out of church, if you're looking for a way out of godly living, there's a thousand ministers, podcasters, and authors who would lend you a helping hand and show you the way out. But if you're looking for a way to stay faithful, then take the hand of God this morning and find Him faithful. If you're weary and struggling, then take the hand of God and find Him faithful. Because his power is unchanging. I want you to notice here, the Bible says he gives power to the faint. He gives power to the faint. He increases their strength. He provides for them the necessary strength. In fact, in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 3, the Bible says, According as his divine power hath given unto us all that pertain unto life, and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. 
God says, I'm going to give you a divine nature. I'm going to put my life into your life, my spirit into your body. The Bible is very clear about that. The What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? My friend, do you understand today that he gives power to the faint? And when the outward man is perishing, the inward man can be renewed day by day. He gives power to the faint. He gives strength to the patient. The Bible says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. I'm telling you, if you're looking for a way out, there's always people that want to help you quit because they'll be more comfortable about themselves when you stop living for God. But if you want to stay in the race, if you want to stay on the track, then I'm here to tell you there is a God in heaven who, if you are saved, indwells you and he lives in you and he wants to give you strength today. You've been listening to Daily in the Word with Dr. Paul Chapel, pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church and president of West Coast Baptist College in Lancaster, California. If you'd like to connect with Pastor Chapel on Facebook or Twitter, go to paulchapel.com and click on his social media links. While you're there, be sure to sign up for his free Daily in the Word email devotional and take a look at all the helpful resources. Again, that's paulchapel.com. We hope today's message has encouraged you. Dr. Chapel serves as a pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church, and he is the author of many books. But most of all, he has a passion and love for you. If you've been helped through Dr. Chapel's ministry, he'd love to hear your story. Visit us on our website today, where you can listen to today's entire message, become a partner in the Word, and sign up for Pastor Chapel's Daily in the Word email devotional. Visit us at paulchapel.com. And thank you for listening today. Be sure to join us next time as we continue to discover God's answers for today's challenges here on Daily in the Word.